This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, flamethrowers. I'm so excited to have our next guest on. Chanel Keenan is a student at UMass Amherst studying communications with a minor in education. And this dynamic young woman is from Dorchester, Massachusetts, and a community activist who has been working in sports, including a pivotal role with her high school varsity women's basketball team. Chanel has osteogenesis imperfecta and is a vocal advocate of the disabled community and of access to sport. She speaks about her own experiences loving hockey, trying to make it better for everyone. Chanel is the intersectional consultant with the NHL Seattle Kraken, and she's a taco aficionado and lives off of coffee. Welcome to Burn It All Down, Chanel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I was listening to your guys' latest episode yesterday, and I was like, this is the best way to start 2020 is with you. Oh, you're, I'm so excited you're 2021. here. 2021. Oh, my gosh. Thank God. It's Okay. <laughs> That's okay. We're still we're still unraveling. We're still unrolling. Um, so I want you to tell me a little bit about your love for hockey because this is a story that I love and I want everyone else to hear it too. So I consider myself a certified rink rat. Um, I grew up with all brothers and was made to go to all their games and all their scrimmages, and I absolutely hated it um, at the time. And I just found myself hanging out with all the siblings, mostly a lot of younger sisters like me. So we just kind of would literally just do laps around the rink, like just having races and just being kids. And it was a really big highlight of my childhood, being able to do that and just be kids. Um, but I I did not like sports in general for the longest time. And then in middle school, I started getting into them a little bit because I would go to basketball games with my friends playing in and then I kind of just like realized how easy it was to follow for me at least and I just really like the atmosphere of like all being zoned into one thing and really enjoying what sports can do as far as bringing people together um and yeah so it's just been kind of a fun journey because I really was like a typical stereotypical however societal whatever girly girl growing up so it just just was not in my wheelhouse at all so I always think it's kind of funny to look at how obsessed I am now and and also being disabled in that realm is interesting too because I was completely aware that I would never play sport and I didn't have a desire to either because I'd see the behind the scenes of that and how much work and discipline that took and I was like that's that's too much for me I'd rather sit on the sidelines and watch and enjoy it rather than have to change my lifestyle in that way and um, I think that's just because I'm lazy but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I 
I love sports and it took me a really long time to get there, I feel like. But now that I am here, I've been so lucky to be a part of um, so many great communities. And particularly, like you said, my most important role or most impactful for me um, was working for my high school women's basketball team and just seeing how hard they worked and how differently received they were in my school, aside from like boys sports basically. And, um, you know, that didn't deter them at all. They were a really amazing team when I was there. And I just did social media for them. But I was able to bring sort of an online audience to it. And I didn't really think that that was even possible at the time. But after a big game that we had, I think a coach or assistant coach from the other side, like came up to me and was like, are you the one that like tweets all the games? And I was like, yep, that's me. And they're like, we follow you, like, you're doing a great job, whatever. And it just seems so random that I was like, oh, like, this is doing something, you know? Um, so that's how I've kind of got into sports. I mean, I love that. Do your brothers take credit for your love of hockey? Because they're typical. No. Brother. Okay. <laughs> no, not all. I just, um, I was just with my brothers the other day. And uh, we went to a game together on our birthday. We share the same birthday, but we're not twins. It's freaky. Um, <laughs> we, we went to a game together against the Penguins. And it was like a really tight game. Like it was really good. And I look over and he's reading a book. And I like the rage that was inside of me, like <laughs> was insane. I was like, I don't, I think I must've got it for my birthday, but I was like, I let you come to the game with me. And I look over and you're reading a book. Like this is treasonous in my opinion. I was like, this is too much. Never again. And he has never, and will never go to another game with me. Um, unless it's somewhere where he can sit comfortably and read the book and it not be in my eyesight because I was like, I couldn't believe. And I, I told my other brother, like, you can't come. Like, I'm taking Chris with me. Like, it's our birthday. It's our thing, whatever. Um, and I know he wouldn't have read, so I, I chose the wrong one that day. Um, but I have the, the memories from it. I mean, yeah, growth and, and learning experiences are always really important. I love and I know how passionate you are about hockey, which leads me to my next question. You're a diehard Bruins fan. And I'm like, you know, how I feel about the Bruins. Like I grew up as a Habs fan. So this is the thing. But um, I want to talk about about shifting and pivoting to the Seattle crack and roll and how that came to be. Yeah, I had zero problem leaving part of my allegiance to them because mm -hmm. as a culture standpoint, the Boston Bruins, in my opinion, are really far behind, like yeah. incredibly far behind. Um, and to put that into like real terms, like we just started recognizing and celebrating Willie O'Ree in our organization. <laughs> so okay. um, terrific, right? So I just, and I grew up in a time where like, I feel like it would have been really, really important to start highlighting him a lot sooner because he was doing things for hockey um, within the last 20, like the whole time I've been alive, practically. Um, so I was really disappointed in that because when I found out about him, like when I started doing separate research on him, I was like, how, how did I not know that this was a thing? First of all, how did I not know he existed? And it changed the landscape completely. So automatically disappointed. You know, and I think that's important to hold our teams that love accountable for that type of stuff, because how do we expect the game to grow if we can't even, you know, be celebratory of something super, super important? Um, and to flip that on its head, I was just in a meeting today about, you know, our plans for Black History Month and MLK Day and how important that is for our organization internally and externally. And I know those conversations are going on, too, among the league, but 
we're not doing it in an urgent way, like in the sense of like, we haven't done enough before um, to make up for, you know, the lack of celebratory stuff or, or you know what I mean? Like we just haven't, we're not having the same urgency as, you know, some other places might be because in the past couple of years, we've kind of just let it go. I was reminded today that the league didn't even really do anything for MLK Day last year, aside from post something really late in the East Coast time. So um, we're hoping for a little bit of a different tone this year, but hopefully it comes across as authentic. Yeah, I feel that so deeply. And <laughs> part of me, you know me, I, I'm kind of following players at this point. And a mutual friend of ours, uh, Fatou Sadu at uh, Black Girl Hockey Club, had me on Braden Holtby at the Caps before he was traded to the Canucks. So, I, I mean, it was hard for me, like being a Montreal Canadiens fan my whole life like my mother like we're generations we're into our third generation of amid fans in my family and but it, like you said i love the way you put that was that i was okay with leaving my allegiances when the franchise is not doing what it needs to do and is not reading the room and is not yeah. prioritizing what it needs to so i mean seattle is very lucky to have you and i hope that what they do sets a precedent for other teams moving forward because it's the first time i'd ever heard of disability week in hockey and you did a live event and i was me too <laughs> me too <laughs> it was wonderful it was so important like the work you're doing um so tell me a little bit of what that role entails at seattle like what are you doing there so when I got the title, I guess, confirmation, I myself was like intersectionality consultant. Like, what, is, what does that even entail? And to me, it, it means so many different things. But the biggest thing that I take away from it is just being a disabled body in this space, period. Added on the fact that I'm a woman, added on the fact that I'm a woman of color. Like, all these things that... You know, the title means whatever it means to whoever made it up for me, basically. But to me, it's just being such a different person in this space. And luckily with the crack and like, I'll look at my screen and I will see somebody that looks like me. Maybe not like the disabled part, but like I will see another woman. I'll see another Asian woman there and I'll be like, okay, like I don't feel so small, you know, and I think that that's so important. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into when when I said yes, but I was like, it was so refreshing because I did do an internship with the Bruins. Um, it was super, super small. It was just like a shadowing thing in 2016. And I remember being like, there's a couple women here. Like, I, I feel comfortable being here, but there was such a lack of diversity in general that I was like, okay, kind of explain some things, you know, like, why would we have these conversations if we're not uncomfortable at all, you know? And I think that that landscape is starting to shift too. But to me, um, I take my role as just being an advocate for, you know, a usually voiceless um, group of people. And I sit on a couple of DE&I committees, and I think I'm on the most... Uh, than most people. I think I think I was told that, that I'm on more than than anybody really. Um, and recently I just kind of decided to see like what other opportunities I can have within the organization. Um, I'm planning to shadow a couple people just because while I do hope to keep this role for a little while, um, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, like following my dream as well. Um, and I don't even really know what that is, but I don't want to be put in a box or anything. So um, just trying to make sure that, like, especially with Disabled Hockey Week, like, that was crazy to me because I had never 
heard of that. I don't even, I don't know if this was like their inaugural year or whatever. Um, but when I was asked to do it, it was such like a, a delicate thing. Like they didn't force it upon me or anything like that, but they were like, if you're open to it, like you should do it. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous. It's live. That's a lot. You were brilliant. You were, you were like flawless. And I was relatively new too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I was so nervous the entire time. Um, I was having technical difficulties. Like it was a whole thing, but I. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just knew that if some kid out there with a disability or a parent of a child with a disability saw this, that they could have more dreams for their kids and not be, you know, boxed into whatever career that they think that they, they might not have access to. And um, that was what trumped all the anxiety for me was like, I need to do that for them. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And I do hope it's an annual thing. And I mean, like, as far as dreams go, I'm like, girl, I, I don't even know what mine is. Like, I think I'm living out parts of it and I'm yeah. 43. So like, you know, I'm so excited for this journey and to watch you and watch your star rise because this is, this is wonderful. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? This is Shireen, and I have struggled with anxiety and depression in the past. I've often turned to counseling and therapy to help me through. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. But this service is available for clients worldwide. Flamethrowers, wherever you are, BetterHelp can help you. You can log in to your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, which may not even be possible in a pandemic anyway. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read testimonials that are posted there daily. Visit betterhelp.com burn. That's better H-E-L-P 
and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they have started recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Burn It All Down listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com burn. That's betterhelp.com B-U-R-N. So I did also see you in another interview with friend of the show, Erica Ayala for the nine. And I was thinking about a lot about what you said about language about disabled folks and how that had been largely created by able-bodied people. And so how do we do better in ensuring our language isn't ableist or reductive? Like what do we do? Yeah. And I think it's tricky, right? Because I myself am so immersed in whatever societal language we have around disability now. Like I say, like, I'm going to go for a walk or like, I, you know, like stuff like that, like something so simple like that when, when you're like, well, you literally didn't walk. So like, why would you say that? I'm like, cause everybody says that and you know exactly what I mean when I say like, I went for a walk today, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a matter of giving space to the disabled voice and how they wish to be referred to as, because I myself, like, I'm not. I don't care if you did it wrong. I don't really think there's a right way right now to do it. So just listening to other disabled people and trying to make sure that, you know, we're not modifying anything to make us comfortable. We're trying to, you know, make them feel comfortable. So for me, I think it's just a learning curve and I'm open to people making mistakes because I think the only way we can make the language barriers, I guess, better is through having conversations like this and through education, period. Um, And I've been really excited to see a lot more children's books that depict disability and what that can do for the next generation because I had a really weird childhood. Like I went to a school that was fully inclusive and that meant that like any child with any type of disability varying in severity or however you want to put it um, was immersed with a full class of just what people call like average children. Um, And that changed how my my group of friends like grew up. So they're comfortable in a space if they see somebody with a disability. They're not, you know, magnetic eyes to them and staring at them and wondering all these things. They're just comfortable. Um, and I think that we lack that type of connection and understanding. And it comes off as ignorance and just like a little bit of hostility because like you fear the unknown. Um, but it really starts with like education and, and reading and watching documentaries. Like I watched plenty of documentaries over the summer and into the fall too. And I think that that's the best thing that we can do is, is learn from the sources that we have, even if that is reading a children's book, like anybody mm-hmm. can do that if, you know, if they want to. So just looking at your resources around you and being open to learning and to changing too a little bit, because like I said, like my language is completely distorted by the able-bodiedness that I'm around and to me that's not really a problem that's just the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw you tweet about how 2020 was meaningful for you in expanding your hockey networks and I really loved that because you know I'm I'm a big proponent of holding joy where we can get it because 2020 (laughs) was such a dumpster fire. (laughs) So um, do you have advice for those starting out 
in sports and hockey wanting to get involved? Like, what did you do? Oh, geez. I have been on Twitter way too long. <laughs> I've been on since 2011. Like, I definitely started a little bit too young, but it was so um, circumstantial to me because Twitter and the internet and social media in general unlock like a whole different world for people with disabilities because there is such a limitation to be able to go to in-person events, even if that's like a career fair. Like there's so many different small, but I feel like specific barriers that um, keep us out of industries in general, all across the board. And I think it's the level of accessibility that the internet holds is so, so powerful that when I kind of figured that out, when I kind of figured out like what people are receptive to, what language people um, are receptive to as well, like I kind of tried to take advantage of that in the way of like, okay, if I phrase this a certain way, like people are going to understand that I'm like trying to teach them and not trying to like belittle them or accost mm -hmm. them or like shame them in any way, like being really open to teaching other people, even on a platform as wild as Twitter I think is super important. And I'm finding um, myself more disabled influencers um, since I started being more vocal about my own disability. And even though that I'm not like super specific about it every day, like I'm not saying, you know, everything that's going on all the time, I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, I found more disabled creators who understand what I'm going through or who can add to the timeline of other people's I reshare their stuff um and I was just talking to myself on my podcast the other day that like I've tried to create an ecosystem of like kind of positivity a little bit of reality but ultimately like if I'm feeling um insecure or down about something or I'm looking at someone's feed and it's just all too perfect you know like I am okay with being like I'm gonna unfollow them for a little bit or I'm gonna mute them for a little bit till I'm okay enough to be acceptive of their happiness, which sounds a little insensitive and downer, I guess, but like that's to help my mental health. Mm -hmm. And I don't do it too often, but I think recognizing that the ability is there to do that period is really important. And I recommend that to anybody to like, make sure that you're building an ecosystem that is benefiting you and not making you feel badly about your self-image, your self-worth, all those things that make you a better person, I think is most important. Okay. I love this conversation because you also wrapped in the part about self-care <laughs> and self-preservation, which I think is so important, especially um, in all these spaces. And I do really appreciate the conversations because in sports and mainstream sports spaces and popular sports media, we don't see enough. We don't have enough yeah. um, disabled community members we just don't like we know we see like you talked about the lack of diversity in hockey racialized diversity for one and I mean I can't like you know I feel that so so much <laughs> like obviously um and I think that this idea of amplifying voices is so powerful and that's what Twitter does yes it's a terrible abyss but I mean you and I met there in fact the entire crew of burn it all down met through Twitter so there's there's a lot of ways and benefits and that it can happen and I love that you are encouraging people to use it so let's talk a little bit about the Kraken and I'm wondering if the Canucks will be your like immediate mortal enemies because you're both west coasters and what's happening what are you looking forward to about the season what do you have your eye on if you can tell me or you want to tell me? <laughs> I am just so excited to see what we do. Um, I'm very aware of like what 
physical things we're doing right now as far as our arenas concerned and all of that really cool behind the scenes stuff. But from a hockey op standpoint, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and I'm perfectly fine with that. Like in a lot of ways, I'd love to like sit in on those meetings because I really love our GM. But um, I'm just so excited. The element of surprise is really exciting for me. And the Canucks are already the enemy to me. So that will just be normal. Um, so actually, so are the Canadian. So like, again, to me, it doesn't matter. I am just a fan of the Kraken and and I'm, I'm sure we will make some sort of um, professional enemy along the way. But I think it's just a matter of like showing up and showing out and making sure that people, you know, take it serious, even though we're an expansion team. I feel like this is almost a little bit more well received than when Vegas came out. And I think that's just because of where they are. So and I feel like people have been desperate for Seattle to have a hockey team. So in that regard, like I'm just excited in general. My dream is to go to the draft this year. Um, I might have to freaking weasel my way in there. I don't know who I'm gonna have to talk to to get there. I don't know what type of like make a wish thing I need to to bring up to the guys. But I'm like, please just let me come. I don't want to do any. I just want to sit at the freaking table where you all were chattering the whole time. And I think it's just it will just be so cool. Um, even by watching it at home, I'll be just as thrilled too. But I think being there would be pretty pretty crazy. That's, that's incredible. I mean, that's a mission. Let, let's try for that. Let's like, like hashtag Chanel to the draft. Like, why not? I mean, as long as obviously, cause I'm going to onto you right now and be like, you got to be safe. It's a pandemic. Like I'm always going to be like, well, that's, that's a whole different situation. If it's like, yeah, I don't know what the world's going to look like by then. I was asked to do a panel for next month. And I was like, for some reason, I thought it was in person. I was like, is this like a in-person thing or is it zoom and they're like it's zoom and i was like oh okay i'll be there like that's fine mm -hmm. um because i am super neurotic about that i haven't gone out literally i've only been to my brother's house uh and that's like 20 minutes away from me that's the farthest i've gone um because i'm not immunocompromised but i am still high risk at the same time and i live with my grandma so she's high risk like there's so much going on that like you can even still onto me. I will accept it, but <laughs> I am super cautious. <laughs> I think that's called being responsible, which is exactly yeah. what we need. Um, so I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. You're an absolute delight. And I can't wait to see. And I'm like slithering over to the Kraken and my loyalty. I got to get myself some merch. It's just those shipping fees to Canada kill me. So I'm like, oh, but uh, I'm so excited. Chanel, where can our listeners find you and your work? You can keep up with my caffeine-fueled antics at Chanelli37 on Twitter and everywhere else. I also have a link tree in my Twitter bio that has all my writing on it and links to my podcasts and all the fun stuff. But a fun fact about how I got my job with the Seattle Kraken is Black Girl Hockey Club actually shared my article that I wrote over the summer and it just ended up getting into the hands of my boss and that's how she found me. So a quick tip is to definitely um, send your work if it's something that you feel really passionate about and that you feel confident in to send it to any um, outlet or person who has their DMs open on Twitter. That's what I did. I just shared my heart with them and said this is really important to me and my story wasn't really about me 
finding a job. It was my hopes for the future and the world of hockey in regards to representation. And um, I shared a little bit of the personal note with each and every one of them, a little bit different as well to make it more personal. And that's how my article got passed around. So I definitely recommend stuff like that to help reach more people and hopefully it gets into the airways that you wish. And um, I'm definitely not ashamed of saying that that's what I did because it was networking. So be proud of your work, share your story, and you're super important and your voice matters. You are welcome back here anytime. And here's to a happy, healthy, and safe 2021. Same to you. Thank you so much for having me.